Welcome. This is Out of the Ordinary Books, where we believe that the books we read help us better understand the lives we lead. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And every week we share an Out of the Ordinary book and how it can help you make sense of your story too. These aren't book reviews or recommendations. These are conversations about some of our best friends, worst enemies, toughest coaches, most passionate lovers, and kindest teachers that line our bookshelves. We hope these conversations help you see the deeper story hidden right in plain sight in your ordinary life, too. Get comfy. Here we go. Well, Christy, we're sitting in the most magical place in the world. It's my favorite spot, really. Like, I think in terms of just level of pure, glittery magic in the air, (laughs) for me, this is it. We are sitting in the barn at Maplehurst today. Together. That's right. That's right. I wonder if our listeners can hear something more cavernous, echoey in our voices. Because you're know. right. The ceiling is high. It's and the it, black barn. I know. We've even got like a disco ball that hangs in the barn now <laughs> to reflect sunlight and chandeliers. And there might be a rooster that crows outside the window. So yes. everything about the barn feels always like a storybook to me. So it feels perfect to be sitting here to record in person around the topic of books. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that struck me this week, I know, listeners, I'm so sorry if you feel jealous right now because I have been here for four days writing and working. One of the things that really struck me, though, differently is that usually when I come up here, you and I are planning intentional time to visit. Mm -hmm. So we're talking, we're hanging out for hours, we're drinking wine late at night and having lots of conversations. And we have done some of that. But this trip for me really was a focused writing trip. That's why I was here. So even when I arrived, I remember I had energy and I texted you and I said, I'm not even going to say hi. I'm going straight into the barn to write because I know if I sit down to talk to you, it'll be like three hours later before (laughs) I try and write. But what's made it feel a little different this week, what's been a very interesting experience, and it's my first after how many years? Five, six years of coming here. I went to the grocery store to buy groceries so I could just stock up at the barn. I could hole up here. I could write till super late at night and I'd have food. But there's something about doing the mundane in a place that typically is your magic place Mm -hmm. that suddenly made me feel less like I was entering into a story and more like, oh, I I live here. This is ordinary life. Mm -hmm. I'm I seriously kept having these thoughts like, oh, I'm going into the grocery store here, or there's the gas station in West Grove, or there's, you know, like yes. just the underbelly kind of parts of ordinary yeah. life that aren't as magical. And so it was such an interesting experience. And I kept thinking, oh, this is what it's like for John and Christy because they live here. Right. They're not just visiting here like it's right. a story. They're living here in the everydayness of Maplehurst. Right. And so I had this experience of really two things layered over each mm-hmm. other. Which is, I think, exactly what we're always trying to peel back for mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. I got to have the experience of just the ordinariness of, you know, needing to go to the gas station or like, mm-hmm. I went and bought toilet paper one night too, so oh. I wouldn't bother you Aww. guys. <laughs> and like, and then layered on top of that is still the existing, what I think of as the deep magic of this place. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed holding the tension of both of those things mm-hmm. that week because I think, 
That is what books do for us. Somehow books layer over another level of sight Mm -hmm. over our ordinary lives Mm -hmm. and help us to see things we might not see otherwise because we're too busy just going about our errands and our routines and books force us to open our eyes and see them. So in the past, when I visited here, I've only seen the magic layer. (laughs) And this week I saw the regular life layer and somehow the experience was richer for it. Oh, that's good to hear. Although I'm really sad you had to go buy your own toilet paper. <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't just getting toilet paper, so don't good, feel good, bad. Good, good, good. <laughs> I feel like, um, yeah, toilet paper, even in the main house over here, is still a challenge for us. <laughs> I'm just keeping track of it. Uh, you know, six people and all that. But this is so good to hear, Lisa Joe. This is really interesting. And we didn't. Okay, this is just, this is the magic of friendship and actually sitting down and having these conversations. I mean, we didn't plan that. I didn't even know that that had been your experience this week. And yet that's exactly what I want to talk about today for our next bookish conversation. Because I have no idea what your book is. You did not give me a heads up. Mm -hmm. I have no preparation. I feel a little naked. Right, right. (laughs) And so actually, I'm going to throw a curveball at you and our listeners and tell you that I don't just have one book here. Okay. Um, I have actually a stack and also like mentally an even larger stack, but essentially they're all telling the same story. And that's the story I want to talk about today. And I think it's a story you'll know. Actually, I'm sure it's a story you'll know. It's a story we all know. It is, these are the earliest stories we're told. And these are stories that are now like deep, deep in our bones, really. And these are um, stories with, let's see, princes, princesses, witches, (laughs) three brothers, frogs, (laughs) choices, paths. Fairies. Fairies. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Fairies. Yes, yes. So, I I want to talk about, what do I want to talk about? Fairy tales. Yes. (laughs) Woohoo. No way. I want to talk about That's fairy tales. So yes, because this whole place here at Maplehurst is exactly that. It often feels like walking into mm-hmm. a fairy tale. I think, um, so there are, are specific books I'm going to mention because um, we're sharing so much of our reading lives now in the podcast. And one of my, I think of it as a genre, one of my favorite genres to read. The kind of book where when I realize that's what I've got in my hands I just, oh, my whole body just like <laughs> buzzes and thrills. Um, fa- not just the old, rich, real fairy tales, but retellings of fairy tales. Mm. So I actually have a list here of um, some of my favorites for um, like middle grade, younger, some adult versions. Some are really scary, some not so much. So I think that's the other reason I didn't want to bring just one book to the table mm-hmm. is that there's so many ways to do this. Right. And I think if our listeners are interested in pursuing this this kind of reading after a conversation, they'll find the ones that are right for them. So I will give a few suggestions as we talk. But really, I just, because these books are, they're like all versions of the same right. it's, story. It's one story that is yeah. just retold over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And yes. I think it's rooted in this, almost like the same place. Mm-hmm. So there are writers I love, like C.S. Lewis, G.K. Chesterton, Tolkien, they talk about fairyland or Mm -hmm, elf land mm -hmm. as a place. And I think it's the place where these stories come from. But you're absolutely right. These these are the stories that I think pull back the veil on our own ordinary world and ordinary lives. Um, I love fairy tales because fairy tales remind me that that every ordinary thing is a magic thing. Mm. Every 
ordinary red apple. So just this morning, I packed lunch for (laughs) Elsa (laughs) and her favorite, favorite, favorite thing, perhaps even more than Oreos, which she also loves, um, are just our apples. She hmm. eats so many apples every day. Um, I actually have to keep an eye on it. I have to like give her a limit on apples. <laughs> so just this morning, I washed the reddest apple. It was gorgeous. And I really noticed it as I was washing it. Um, but fairy tales remind me that every apple, mm-hmm. every ordinary apple is a magic apple. Mm-hmm. Not just the one in the story of, uh, who is it? Snow, Snow White? Snow right. White and her apple. Right. Um, which actually, I don't even know if that's just in the Disney version. I'd have to go back and look at, you know, the Grimm stories and all of that. But every apple is a magic apple. And Lisa Joe, I absolutely believe that is how we should be seeing the world, mm-hmm. how we should be seeing our ordinary lives with eyes of wonder, eyes that are open to the enchantment but also open to good and evil. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the battle between the two, dark and light, and the spiritual reality that we can maybe um, lose sight of, literally, as we we go to the gas station, as we look for the toilet paper, right? right? As we just get caught up in our ordinary lives, we can lose touch with this other world that is always also there. And so for me, these stories are like, they're like magic mirrors, um, sort of showing the world I know. And this is why I love these stories. You, 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 turn, you start, you get into them, you think, this is the world I know. Mm. And then things start happening and you think, oh, oh no, <laughs> is this the world I know? Um, and, and through the story, you think, no, no, this isn't. This is fairyland. This is elfland. But by the end, you realize, oh, fairyland is, is where I live. Elfland is where I live. Um, and just that crazy crazy journey. So, um, there's a, a quote from one of my favorite writers of fairy tale from the 19th century, George MacDonald. Yes. Have, yeah. yeah, I love him. Yeah, so well-known stories like um, uh, Fantasties or The Princess and the Goblin, um, uh, Back of the North Wind, I think is another one. And in Fantasties, he says, uh, oh, actually, you know, I think I, ha- I have it here to read the exact words. I was going to just try to remember, but always better to go to the source. He says, All mirrors are magic mirrors. The commonest room is a room in a poem when I turn to the glass. There must be a truth involved in it that we may but in part lay hold of the meaning. So he has noticed something like when you see a ship reflected on the water or you're in a room, but then you turn and you see the room in the mirror. You're seeing the same thing, but somehow it's different. It's a little odd, a little strange, a little more beautiful. And um, I think that's what fairy tales do is they kind of point the mirror toward our ordinary lives. And we see things we, we don't normally see, but then we realize this, this is the truth of reality. I just needed this story to help me see it, Ooh, if that makes sense. I'm so excited about this conversation. <laughs> I think one of my favorite things, too, about this as believers is that some of the greatest fairy tale writers have been men of faith, Christian mm-hmm. men, Lewis, Tolkien, Mac- Mac- and George... Now I'm saying, I want to say McDonald. But yeah, it's, McDonald. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, suddenly I was thinking McDowell, and I was like, nope, that's somebody different. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's people of faith, I think, that have this second layer of sight. And it's interesting because throughout Scripture, often Jesus is trying to teach us, I think, that you have to be able to see a different plane, that there's yeah. something else you're missing, that yeah. you aren't seeing clearly. And Scripture uses this metaphor of sight a lot. And I mean, one of the most famous quotes, of course, is how 
they talk about we now here on earth, we only see through the glass dimly. Yes. Like we can't see properly yes. what's on the other side. Right. And I think based on no scientific research of my own, but just my <laughs> gut, that these authors that are believers are trying to plumb those depths mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. the unknown. Mm-hmm. And I know some listeners might feel uncomfortable if you use the word magic mm-hmm. in that context, mm-hmm. which I can completely appreciate. But um, I love how Lewis didn't just talk about magic. He always talked about the deep magic, yeah. by which he meant the most ancient, like from which all life comes. So he's really pointing to Christ. But if magic makes you uncomfortable, maybe think of the word wonder or awe, which are words we have throughout scripture too, constantly trying to remind us that the tangible, what we can see and touch and feel and taste and smell is not it. That's Mm -hmm. not the be all Mm -hmm. and end all. And Jesus constantly interacted with another realm around him all Mm -hmm. the time. And I think we do our journey here on earth a disservice if we aren't constantly paying attention to this world that shimmers around us, really the the spiritual world that we move and operate through that is operating in tandem. And you and I have been talking about that quite a bit this week. Just if you look at two of the most famous books of Scripture, Genesis and Revelation, Mm -hmm. Or even if you look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mm -hmm. and Revelation, Mm -hmm. both times what's happening is you're getting a story operating on one plane Mm -hmm. here on the Mm -hmm. physical plane of Earth. So, for example, a woman goes into labor and has a baby in a stable where there are donkeys. That's the story we know of Jesus' birth. And then if you look at Revelation, you are getting the picture of what was happening in the spiritual dimension layered over that earthly experience. Mm -hmm. So you have a dragon chasing a woman trying to consume her baby that's just been born, and you have a lamb Which, hello, fairy tale, right? Yes. (laughs) And I don't mean, when I say that, I don't mean that Revelation is a fairy tale. or not true. I mean, these are, this is the outline of it. I mean, it reads like a fairy tale. And this is the ultimate picture. So I think we, the ultimate model we have have for understanding the spiritual realm about what is in fact in scripture. And Mm -hmm. so all these believers who are also authors Mm -hmm. have modeled really, I would say, what they are doing Mm -hmm. on something that scripture is trying to constantly point us toward. There Mm -hmm. is more. There's Mm -hmm. more to the story than you see with your earthly eyes. Mm -hmm. This week, um, I again, it's funny how you don't, you go through a week and, and experiences, thoughts, memories, and then it's only when you sit down to talk to someone that you start to connect the dots. But for some reason, just this week, this phrase from, you know, the creed we often say, um, well, at many Christian churches and at at my church, floated through my head. And it's just a little, the words, um, all that is seen and unseen. And so when we um, say this creed, uh, we were kind of directing our thoughts to like that bigger picture, right? And I, that those words just because they're so poetic, you know, they just floated through my mind, but they sort of drew my attention to, oh yeah, it's there's the seen and there's the unseen, and they're they're present, they're together, they're both right here. <laughs> there, it's not as if here is the scene and somewhere far away are the things that are unseen. Right. Um, it, it's that sense that it's not earth here and heaven so so far away, um, but when Jesus came to earth. Heaven, you know, came to earth, and now heaven and, and earth are near. Um, the kingdom of heaven is here, Jesus said. So I've seen by that phrase, all that all that is seen and unseen, and just remembering this week, wow, I want to not not lose track of that, and I want to 
both really notice the, the seen things, the visible things, and see them for what they truly are, um, but also not lose sight of what's just behind them. So I have some books that have helped me do that. And I'll say, I'm so glad you started with those writers of faith like George MacDonald, C.S. Lewis, Tolkien. I know there are others. Um, but fairy tales are such a powerful storytelling method that all kinds of writers are drawn to those stories. And so, you know, there are, there are writers who, um, you know, don't share my faith, but I think still um, do this and do it well. And I still find um, meaning and also just a lot of fun in their books. So um, one book that um, my daughter really loved when she was uh, younger and reading more middle grade books, and then she passed it on to me and I loved it. Is um, it's called Ophelia and the Marvelous Boy. Karen Foxley is the writer. Oh my goodness, I love this book. And essentially, it is once you get into it. And I don't even know if my daughter would have appreciated this, but I knew that it's a retelling of of a Hans Christian Andersen story about the the Snow Queen. Um, is that what she's called? The Snow Queen, the right. Ice Queen. Yeah. yeah. And um, I know there are many retellings of that, but this one is so creative. And and even as you're reading it, you're you're noticing the parallels, but you're thinking, "Am I in that story?" Because because <laughs> the the world created in this book is so unique and wonderful and and um, surprising that you're never quite sure where you are. But um, certainly, it is um, related to to the Snow Queen story. And then there are some for adults. Um, quite a few actually written by Neil Gaiman. Um, some of his books are are too scary for me. And um, But one I really like is The Ocean at the End of the Lane, which is a fairy tale of sorts for adults. And that one is pretty scary, too. So um, I think it goes without saying, but I'll just say it here. For <laughs> I think this covers all of our podcast conversations is that, again, because we're just trying to focus on the conversation and we're not here to give like thorough reviews of these books, I definitely hope that our listeners... Um, don't just pick up any book we mention without like right. maybe doing some research and finding out if it's right. really the book for them. Um, but The Ocean at the End of the Lane, oh my goodness, I loved that by by Neil Gaiman. And a more recent one um, is Once Upon a River. And there you go, just in the title, right? Once Upon a River mm-hmm. um, by Diane Setterfield was another um, fairy tale-like no- adult novel for adults um, that I recently enjoyed. And I think it's that these are different from pure fantasy novels for me, which I also enjoy. But fantasy novels just take you to a whole other world, a whole other place. And of course, they have something to say about our world as well. But during the course of the book, like you're just in this other place. And fairy tales feel different to me. Fairy tales are very often like realist novels. They they look right. looks just like our world. Yeah, they don't look like fantasy novels, no, right? No. You don't feel like you're, there's some kind of sci-fi element. No, They're usually just all. like here's a daughter and a, yes. and a father living yes. near a wood, and then roses start to grow out with thorns yes. that take over the cottage, and then you're like, wait, so, wait, what? <laughs> something's happening that's not yes. right here. <laughs> exactly, and so that's what I mean when I say you know like novels that are like fairy tales, and they may or may not be retellings of familiar fairy tales. Like sometimes they're they're retellings of, you know, like the Snow Queen, but sometimes they just seem to have these fairy tale elements like Once Upon a River um, or the Ocean at the End of the Lane. But to me, it's almost more real than reading a strictly realist hmm. novel. And by realist novel, I mean ones where like there's no magic, everything right. just looks exactly like our ordinary right. lives. Um 
like you'd think that those would be the closest to our our experience, but actually it's these fairy tale novels that I find like, yes, this this is the truth. This is the bigger picture. Right. And that's something I get even when these writers aren't necessarily writers that that share my Christian faith, but somehow they're pointing to a beyond that um that I know informs that I believe informs our everyday ordinary lives. Um, as well, I think I like these Lisa Joe because they're they're often they often deal with the natural world. I mean, just in those titles I mentioned, like first of all, the Snow Queen, Hello Winter Snow, and then the two I mentioned for adults. Um, one title mentions ocean, one mentions river. Like they're dealing um, often with the natural world, and you know how I feel about nature and creation and the outdoors. Um, so I think I appreciate um, how they help me to see again a a natural world that I can take for granted. And um, Chesterton in his book, Orthodoxy, has um, some lines he writes about that. And, and, and here, I think we'll kind of get back to why I, I personally do often use words like magic, mm-hmm. even though I know um, that might mean a particular thing to some of our listeners and they, and they wouldn't use those words. But Chesterton, who was certainly a man of faith, writes, um, the only words that ever satisfied me as describing nature— are the terms used in the fairy books. Charm, spell, enchantment. I really love the word enchantment. They express the arbitrariness of the fact and its mystery. A tree grows fruit because it is a magic tree. (laughs) I love that. I love it. I can like testify to the fact that this week when I have been working here at the barn, I completely rearranged furniture so I could look out of the doors because Mm -hmm. you have just the flowers are growing. And no matter how much I look, I keep looking, I stare and I stare. My eyes can't seem to drink in enough of the beauty happening outside. And it (laughs) feels magical. It's so weird. Like, look at these tulips. They're just everywhere. There's so much color. Look at these daffodils. Even your vegetable garden and your herb garden looks magical. And I know it's not just me because I was working here yesterday and a delivery driver arrived and he was dropping off, of course, a whole bunch of trees for you, (laughs) which feels magical in and of itself because a rider truck pulls up and I'm like, what on earth are John and Christy getting delivered? And then of course it's trees, trees and trees and more trees coming out of the back of this truck. And I'll just interrupt to say, I was not here to take the delivery because I was at the grocery store living my ordinary life. intersection of the two worlds. But the driver, it was so interesting because he, his eyes got so big. It was as if he had stepped into a story. And in that moment, I saw this world through his eyes. And it was so magical. And he wandered up to me and he kept looking around and he kept saying, what is this place? Is it, that, that was his exact phrase. What is this place? Which is sort of one of those opening lines you expect in a fairy tale. Yeah. And he said, is it a nursery? Is it Arboretum? Do they host events here? What, what happens here? Oh. And it was just so great because I wanted to say, this is where the fairies live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me so ha- I feel like he was a kindred spirit and I yeah. missed I missed meeting him. But it I'm so was, glad you got to meet him. <laughs> he came into the barn. I showed him around. I mean, <laughs> we had a whole conversation. I had that terrible experience where when someone asks me, 
what is should be a short answer. Right. What, what do you do here? Oh. <laughs> My brain completely short circuits that I don't know how to cram into Everything. one <laughs> sentence all of my big feelings about this place. But it was very special um, to have somebody else step into the story with us. And it was raining. So there's something about rain, I think, that features as a magical ingredient. Often when it rains, I look up at the sky and I think, how does this happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the science of it, but it's weird, right? And amazing. It's amazing that water falls from the sky mm-hmm. to water the plants. Same with snow. Yeah, yeah. I just never get over that. There is there is something I think for me, magic simply means we don't have a word to convey where the power for this thing comes from. Yeah. It is outside of us. It's outside of the known. Yes. Which is correct. Yeah. And God himself uses that Mm -hmm. as one of his claims to fame when he's talking to Job and he says, Mm -hmm. have you seen the warehouses of the snow, the storehouses of the snow? Do you know where the hail comes from? How awesome that God himself gets that those you know, feats of nature are something that as much as science can reduce it to some kind of formula, at the end of the day, it's just magical that snow comes out of the sky. Right? Right? <laughs> I think that's exactly what Chesterton is saying. It's like, look, I can read all the science. Right. I can say, yes, yes, this is true. Here are the mechanisms with matter that result mm-hmm. in snow. Mm-hmm. And yet still, even if you go, you learn all the science there is to learn, at the bottom of it all is still magic <laughs> right <laughs> enchantment like how how could this be and i think i want to say as well that so i love what you're saying about being here at maplehurst in the barn and it has certainly been and is my privilege and a calling i take seriously to try to tend and cultivate glory in this place so glory is i think another good word um but the thing i love about fairy tales is that the the pathway to the enchanted place um, always begins, well, sometimes it's in a castle, okay, but almost always it's in a cottage, mm. it's down a tiny path. Um, I love like the title of Neil Gaiman's book, um, The Ocean at the End of the Lane, because immediately you're thinking, what? <laughs> right. Because what could be at the end of the lane? I mean, a pond, a puddle. Right. And and actually in, in his book, for you know, at times you're thinking like, this is just a puddle, this is just a pond. Um, but he's writing a story where now it it there's there's the immensity of an ocean is now found, mm-hmm. located at the end of a little ordinary cul-de-sac. Right. Right. And so fairy tales really are for those of us who feel like, I don't live in, I'm not working in a black barn today, I'm working in a sterile office, right. or I, I don't live at a Maplehurst, I live at a, a house that just has a number on what I think is an ordinary street, or I live in a, you know, a, an a, a apartment in the city, or, you know, something that we might feel like, well, well, this is ordinary. There's no magic here. And the fairy tales are saying, uh, hello, open your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is an ocean at the end of the lane. Have you walked that way? Right? I love uh, that. I love that. To me, fairy tales operate on two different planes in order to get you to open your eyes. One of them is the world around us. Mm-hmm. But for me, the second is the world within us. Uh, so fairy tales are often wanting you to see that there's something in you that you don't know is there. Ooh. Right? Ooh. So, I mean, for example, you don't know that you're a princess. You've mm-hmm. been hiding in this cottage all these years. Yes. You don't know that these aunties are actually fairy Fairies, godmothers. Yes. You don't know that. You don't know that you've been asleep for a hundred years. Right, you, right. There's all these things about you you don't know. And 
One of my favorite, I'm totally hijacking your episode now. Oh, I love I'm this. Throw this is so great. <laughs> One of my favorite modern fairy tale writer, her name is Robin McKinley. Oh, I love her too. Oh, she's so yes. wonderful. She yeah. writes a lot of YA, but really, I mean, her stories are majestic. And she has, so she has a lot of retellings of traditional fairy tales. So for example... She has one called Rose Daughter. Mm -hmm. She has one called Spindles End. She has one called Beauty. That's about beauty and the beast. They're very powerful and very beautiful. Um, She has a wonderful take on the the Robin Hood story. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read that one. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's uh, yeah, it's just called Sherwood Mm because it's about the forest, of course. But the two I want to point to here that I think are really powerful, she has, um, I think that one of them might be the first one she ever wrote. It's called The Blue Sword. And it's a story that then she wrote a pre-story for, so the, a story mm-hmm. that should have happened before called The Hero and the Crown. And both of these, the main character is a young woman. And in both cases, the young woman has no idea that she has this magic in her. She doesn't know what it is. I love these books. Where her power I'm going to reread comes. them. Yeah. They're so amazing. <laughs> I've read them many, many times. But in The Hero and the Crown is the particular one I want to focus on because it's the ugly duckling trope, right? So the, the young princess grows up in this royal family where everybody has this power, some power that's passed down in their bloodline. It's called Kalar. It's funny that I even know that if it's a real thing. (laughs) But she is so ashamed of how she doesn't have power. And in fact, she's really clumsy and she's always cracking the teacup that she holds or crashing the mirror or breaking the things she tries to ride. Everybody makes fun of her. And then there is always the anti-magical thing. So there's this tree that has these leaves that it's rumored that if you eat them, you can kill off whatever power is in you and maybe die. And she's so outraged by her family and she's clearly struggling, we would say, with depression. She eats just this insane amount of these leaves and almost dies. But what you come to realize the whole time, the reason she's been clumsy and awkward and weird is that the power in her is so strong. Hmm. She has so much more than her family that she doesn't know how to control it yet. She doesn't know how to manage it. She doesn't know how to channel it. And the only reason she lives instead of dying from eating this tree is that she has so much power, so much Kalar in her veins. Mm -hmm. And she has to learn. That's the thing that always happens in fairy tales. She has to go on some kind of quest Mm -hmm. and there's a mentor who helps her understand something about herself she didn't know. And for me, if I were teaching a class on this at Wheaton, I would tell my class I feel that way about what I believe with Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ wants us to know Christ lives in you. How is that not a magical thing that Scripture talks about and that we just breeze by like it's nothing? Mm -hmm. Like the power of Christ, the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. He tells us that time and again. And the problem is I focus on me. I focus on how I get it wrong, how I'm tired, how I snap at my kids, how I fail in my marriage. When Christ wants me to focus on Him, the power of the Holy Spirit in me, and say, wait, Lisa Joe, stop trying to do it in you. Do it in me. You have access mm-hmm. to all of me. And so when I read these stories about Aaron of the red hair and the <laughs> Kalar in her veins, and then her descendant who gets her blue sword and leads the army into battle, I I read those like an arrow pointing back at me and mm-hmm. saying, Lisa Joe, you have access to the power of God, the power of creation in your veins. Mm-hmm. He lives in you. And for me, that's the that's the majesty 
of fairy tales, how it's not just the external world they want you to see differently, but the whole internal world of yourself. Yeah. Oh, I love that we get both in fairy tales because we've often shared, I think, on the podcast before that you really love stories and are really moved by stories about people and relationships and who we are. And and I'm really uh, moved by stories about places and uh, gardens and the world and nature. And in fairy tales, you get get it all. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you connected those dots. I had not seen that. That's so yeah, good. Yeah, I think that's why we both love fairy we tales. Do, but there's a third element we haven't talked about here. So fairy tales, the third thing they do is they give a face and a name to evil. Mm-hmm. And we live in a world, a modern world, where we are very uncomfortable with talking about evil. Mm-hmm. And the thing about fairy tales that I love is that they you know, fairy tales are written for children, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And children inhabit a world where evil is real, and mm-hmm. they know it. Yeah. And children are usually much more comfortable with degrees of evil than we are as adults, because as we grow up, I think we grow away from, we try to distance ourselves from mm-hmm. something outside of our control. Sure. That's bad. Yeah. But children live in a world where they have no control, no control. over yeah. pretty much anything that happens <laughs> yeah, to them. Yeah. And I have found in my experience the description of evil, and I only mean that in the context of whether it's something that happened on the news or something that happened in their classroom, yeah. doesn't surprise children. They don't push back and say, oh, no, that's not true. It's to do with how his mother raised him. <laughs> like that, that isn't their reaction. Children at a visceral level understand evil. And if anyone who's had a kid who's woken up with a nightmare knows it, children know that evil is real. And so in our house, at least, we name it. We name that as evil. And we name it as there are spiritual powers working against us. We really believe that. But by the same token, if that is true, there are spiritual powers for good working for us. And Mm -hmm. so, fairy tales call evil out and they give it a face and a name. And I think there's something powerful when that happens, because then it's not just this amorphous unknown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something that can be defeated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Stephen King, who, would you consider him a fairy tale writer? Oh, interesting. In, on at, some at, level. At, yeah, at some level. Because yeah. a lot of his books do deal with a sort of a spiritual yes, component. And I remember reading an interview with him where someone asked him, why are people so obsessed with your books? Mm-hmm. They're so full of such terrible things. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, that's easy. That's because as human beings, we know that there are bad things out there. And people want to experience the catharsis of having those bad things defeated. That is why they read my books. Yeah, And I feel like that is at at its essence what fairy tales Mm -hmm. give us. Mm -hmm. And how, how grateful I am to be walking in a faith, following Christ. Um, and the story we are trusting in is that evil has been defeated right? and that we are now partaking in that final, final um, defeat. And, and But we need stories to remind us of that. Right. Yeah. We have to relive them. And yeah, so often yeah. I talk to young authors who say, oh, this is nothing new about my story. Mm. And, and I say, great, then mm. you are exactly on track because as human beings, there's really only one great story that mm-hmm. we just tell over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. It's the humble servant king who comes to save his people. There's some form of sacrifice mm-hmm. that happens, and then there's a form of redemption and being reunited. Mm-hmm. And so when we tell these same stories over and over and over again, it's because each generation needs to hear them again, and we need to hear them ourselves. So it's why we read fairy tales in picture books when we're younger. Right. When we get older, we read Robin McKinley, and then we keep reading on and on on and on, Lewis, right. Tolkien, because 
every time these stories give us new eyes. And I find my hope is, as I get older, to keep coming to the scripture with that kind of curiosity. Mm -hmm. What did I miss? Mm -hmm. What layer is there I haven't seen yet? Mm -hmm. Like, Lord, give me eyes to see the deep glory, the deep mystery, the deep magic in your story. Mm -hmm. I really just believe is the same story we just keep writing in yeah. books, in movies, in TV shows. Like, there has to be a reason, right? That yeah. we're obsessed with this narrative of mm-hmm. someone who sacrifices for someone else. Mm-hmm. And, and I am convinced it's because we're created in the image of Christ. And mm-hmm. so every part of our DNA is saturated with Him. And so whether we acknowledge it or not, we just keep retelling His story. Mm-hmm. We do. And I think actually that is a good way to end. I have something to read. Um, because one thing we like to do now uh, is to bring in another voice, the voice of you know a friend who's written a book. And while that's a little difficult to do with fairy tales because <laughs> there are so many, <laughs> at the same time, we recognize the voice. And so, um, it, because it is, it's, it's the same story, the same elements, which is why I love a poem by Neil Gaiman. So he, I mentioned earlier, as a as a writer of of um, many books that are fairy tale like, um, he has written a poem that gets at this idea of of the wisdom to be found in fairy tales, and uh, the poem is called Instructions. So, listeners, Lisa Joe, <laughs> settle in, <laughs> get comfy in your seat. I've got my tea. Good, good. I might take a sip of mine. I'm going to clear my throat. <clears> throat> This is Instructions by Neil Gaiman. Touch the wooden gate in the wall you never saw before. Say please before you open the latch. Go through, walk down the path. A red metal imp hangs from the green painted front door as a knocker. Do not touch it. It will bite your fingers. Walk through the house. Take nothing eat nothing. However, if any creature tells you that it hungers, feed it. If it tells you that it is dirty, clean it. If it cries to you that it hurts, if you can, ease its pain. From the back garden, you will be able to see the wild wood. The deep well you walk past leads to winter's realm. There is another land at the bottom of it. If you turn around here, you can walk back safely. You will lose no face. I will think no less of you. Once through the garden, you will be in the wood. The trees are old. Eyes peer from the undergrowth. Beneath a twisted oak sits an old woman. She may ask for something. Give it to her. She will point the way to the castle. Inside it are three princesses. Do not trust the youngest. Walk on (laughs) in the clearing beyond the castle. The 12 months sit about a fire, warming their feet, exchanging tales. They may do favors for you if you are polite. You may pick strawberries in December's frost. Trust the wolves, but do not tell them where you are going. The river can be crossed by the fairy. The ferryman will take you. The answer to his question is this. If he hands the oar to his passenger, he will be free to leave the boat. Only tell him this from a safe distance. If an eagle gives you a feather, keep it safe. Remember that giants sleep too soundly, that witches are often betrayed by their appetites. Dragons have one soft spot somewhere, always. 
Hearts can be well hidden, and you betray them with your tongue. Do not be jealous of your sister. Know that diamonds and roses are as uncomfortable when they tumble from one's lips as toads and frogs, colder too and sharper, and they cut. Remember your name. Do not lose hope. What you seek will be found. Trust ghosts. Trust those that you have helped to help you in their turn. Trust dreams. Trust your heart. And trust your story. When you come back, return the way you came. Favors will be returned. Debts will be repaid. Do not forget your manners. Do not look back. Ride the wise eagle. You shall not fall. Ride the silver fish. You will not drown. Ride the gray wolf. Hold tightly to his fur. There is a worm at the heart of the tower. That is why it will not stand. When you reach the little house, the place your journey started, you will recognize it, although it will seem much smaller than you remember. Walk up the path and through the garden gate you never saw before but once, and then go home, or make a home, and rest. Oh my word, I feel like I have to whisper that. Oh, wow. <laughs> just like, why do I want to cry right now? Yeah. Pick up a story, go home, find rest. Good words of advice. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend. Click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.